So we have a couple of a uh, couple of uh, other announcements um, uh, on the welcome cart out in the front. So I guess that would be the front of the church, and this is the back. At the entry of the church, <laughs> there's a welcome cart, and um, there is a sign-up sheet uh, on the welcome cart for the homeless shelter. And this is for providing all the goodies that go into the lunch bags, not making the bags. You can sign up. And um, you can you can uh, you can sign up, and then when you do sign up, um, you can put your you can put your name, uh, and um, and don't be like Betty who just only put her name and not her phone number, <laughs> because otherwise, then you see Cindy Mullins wouldn't be able to contact you about coordinating what uh, is what it is that you signed up to bring. But anyway, I encourage you to do that because the homeless shelter, of course, is a critical. A community event, if you will, that all the churches participate in, and we are just one church that participates in that particular ministry, and so, um, and that's what we're called to do, right? We're called to be others-centered, and that is a way that we can do that. Uh, so I encourage you to do that, uh, and uh, also, um, I guess I'm supposed to do the women's ministry announcement, Kathy? Okay, well, that's a first. So uh, there is a women's event called Coffee and Convos. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I said, that's not a word. But then I looked it up in the dictionary. Do you realize that convos is an actual word in the dictionary? And it means what? Conversation. So the women are going to get together for Coffee and Conversation Saturday, March 14th at 10 o'clock here at the well. So you, is there a sign-up for that? Oh, is it fourth? Okay, so my eyes aren't that good. So March 4th, that's coming up sooner than the 14th, about 10 days sooner, the way I got it figured. Um, so anyway, you can sign up for that, right, Kathy? There's no sign-ups, you just show up? Okay, this is why women mostly do women's ministry announcements. So there's that. Um, uh, now, um, more appropriately speaking, I get to make a men's ministry announcement, um, and I probably won't mess this one up. So uh, there is a men's breakfast on Saturday, March the 18th at 8.30 in the morning. So men, we're going to get together and eat because that's what men do. Uh, so, uh, and, and there's no sign-up for that either. You can just show up. Oh, there is a sign-up for that. So this is the last Sunday I'll be doing announcements. Um, apparently. And um, on that note, I'm going to hand it over to uh, Jordan, who's going to do a youth announcement, and I'm sure he'll get that right. There you go. Yes, you did great, Bill. Well, we do have a youth announcement, and I would like to announce that we survived. Yes. For those of you that know, we had our youth all-nighter on Friday uh, and all through on to Saturday morning. And we had about 17 students go. We went to um, Dojo Boom slash Sky Zone. They, I think they have three names. Uh, but it was great. They gave us cool shirts. It was glow in the dark. We jumped around. Uh, if you've ever been there, you know, they have trampolines all over. And one of the things I kept hearing from the leaders is, are you sore? Like, I'm really tired and sore. And so, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was a good way to prep us for the all-nighter. And I think four of the students stayed up the entire night uh, it was great. We had lots of games. Uh, we had some bumper balls. We played gaga ball. Uh, had lots of great snacks and just fun. And it was, it was a great time hanging out. Um, like I said, a lot of them stayed up late all the way until 8 in the morning. 
And uh, I actually saw one of the parents after we had done worship practice, and uh, I asked him how their you know, student was doing. He's like, he's still sleeping. So, uh, and that was like four in the afternoon. Uh, but yeah, we're still recovering, so we survived. So I don't know if many of us are thriving right now, but uh, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and last announcement, we are not going to be having uh, youth events this week <laughs> because we are still recovering, uh, but we will be meeting up the week after. So that's it for announcement. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you on a Sunday. Welcome to everyone at home joining us online and those that will be watching this later in the week. Uh, we're going to kind of turn a page and, and uh, start some, uh, something new today and uh, we'll see how long we'll, we'll be on this adventure together. In fact, uh, the title of the sermon today is The Adventure Begins. And so I'm going to invite you to, to join us on this grand adventure. Uh, every once in a while during the week, I get some free time and, uh, uh, you know, different things, different hobbies that I have. But sometimes when I'm at home and I have a, a block of time, uh, I like to kind of turn on our TV and go to one of our streaming, streaming uh, companies there and, and see what kind of movies are out there, right? And uh, how many of you ever gone to one of your streaming services and you just end up watching an hour's worth of trailers, right? You're scanning and you just watch like two minutes of everything. You're like, mm, no, no. And pretty soon it's an hour and you're like, I'm good. I'm good. Got my media fill. Don't know what the movie is, how they end, but I'm pretty good, right? And you get up and you're like, man, there's really nothing <laughs> worth watching. But um, I go there, and, and it's interesting, you know, in the services, they have different categories, right? And you can go down there, trending, top 10, and then you get to the categories of movies. There's families, and there's comedies, and then there's romantic comedies, right? And then for me, I, I get to the action, right? The action uh, category, and then I'll camp there and see what action movies are out there. And I was thinking about that. In light of this adventure that we're going to go on, uh, because if you had a streaming service and you went to the action category, uh, Netflix or whatever your service is, uh, you went to action, you would find the Gospel of Mark, right? It's an action gospel, and that excites me, and we're going to begin uh, today to launch into the Gospel of Mark, and I want to invite you to, to join us. Uh, I think that you're going to be challenged in many ways, whether you're, you're new to the Lord, whether you're seeking the Lord, whether you've been walking with the Lord for years and years. The gospel of Mark speaks to all of us uh, because really it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And, and I want to really encourage you to, to come regularly or if you can't be here to, to uh, uh, join us, watch it online afterwards uh, just because you're going to be on this grand adventure. In fact, in the book, in the Gospel of Mark, the word immediately is used about 40, 41 times. Immediately. So you're reading, and what we're going to do is we're going to be on an adventure with Jesus. And he says, immediately he goes here. And then immediately he does this. And immediately he does that. And, and I love this quote uh, from a guy named Robertson. He says, the Gospel of Mark pictures Christ in action. There is a minimum of discourse and a maximum of deed. Amen? Right? What that means is, in the Gospel of Mark, they call it kind of the Gospel of Action because we're going to be out there with Jesus as he ministers, as he speaks, as he heals, as he does miracles. 
And in other gospels or the epistles, the letters, there's typically, you know, could be a lot of sermons and long teachings, right? Nothing wrong with that. It's all great. But what separates Mark from the other gospels is that it's the gospel of action. And so we're going to learn about Jesus. We're going to be challenged by Jesus, uh, not so much by long sermons, but by being with him as he's out there with the people, fulfilling the mission that God has given him. So I really want to invite you to join us uh, for our journey through the gospel of Mark and uh, kind of give us some overview if you're fairly new to the Bible. How many gospels are there? Four, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, The first three, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the synoptic. Everyone say synoptic. Okay. Those are the synoptic gospels because they give a synopsis of Jesus' life. Okay. So synoptic, big word. Really, Matthew, Mark, and Luke give a synopsis of Jesus' life. So if you were to read them, you would see from the beginning to his death and resurrection, kind of a synopsis. John kind of gives an overview. He speaks broadly about the deity and humanity of Jesus and putting your faith in Jesus. So he's, he's a, a little bit different uh, kind of theme of, of the Gospel of John. But each Gospel kind of speaks to an audience. Okay, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew was speaking to the Jews and people who were familiar with the Old Testament. Okay, Jesus is portrayed as Israel's Messiah and uh, the king of the Jews in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. So that's Matthew. In fact, Matthew 1.1 gives us the clue. He says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's very intentional for the audience that Matthew was writing to. Okay? Luke, he was a historian. He was a Greek speaking to Greeks, those who were intellectually minded, the thinkers. How many of you are analytical Thinkers, right? Intellectuals, right? That kind of thing. Well, that's Luke, okay? Luke wanted to demonstrate that the Christian faith is based on historically reliable and verifiable events. Again, in Luke 1, 1 to 4, Luke, right off the bat, gives us a hint as to his heart and his approach. Look at what Luke 1 says. Again, from a historian to intellectually minded people, this is what he says. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. You get, you get the difference, right? Matthew starts off with a genealogy for his audience. Luke says, you know what, I'm going to write something orderly to demonstrate some things to you, for all you intellectuals out there, okay? Mark, actually John, we'll go to John. John was an eyewitness to the life of Jesus, and his purpose in writing the gospel was so that at the end, he'll, he'll reveal it, we'll look at it in John 20, that everyone would know who Jesus is and put their faith in him. Okay, it was kind of a universal message to all of mankind about who Jesus was. In John 20, he reveals his purpose. He says this, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen? So sometimes if you're out there 
and you come across someone who, who doesn't know the Lord or doesn't know about Christianity or doesn't know about Jesus, encouragement, they say, well, what should I read, you know? Gospel of John. Right there, the Gospel of John in John 20, 30 to 31, he gives his purpose. So if you're, you know, wanting to introduce Jesus to somebody, say, hey, you know what? Read the Gospel of John because that's why it was written. That's why it was written in his intent. Now, Mark, okay, this adventure that we're starting today, Mark was speaking, speaking to Roman Gentiles, okay? And these Roman Gentiles, they didn't know much about the Jewish re- religion. So he explains things in his gospel, and he's really speaking to an audience like us, okay? That's what I really like. He doesn't start with the genealogy, and he, he kind of just jumps right into Jesus' ministry, right off the bat, boom, here we go, Right? And ultimately, Jesus is portrayed as a servant of God, fulfilling God's mission for him. Key theme for us uh, as we travel through the book is Mark 10, 45. It says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so as we journey through this, we're going to see Jesus fulfilling this mission. Serving, fulfilling a mission, with the purpose to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, kind of on a personal note, I, I, and just help you frame this where I'm coming from personally and why I particularly like uh, the Gospel of Mark. You know, many of you know I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition. So I know church, went to church religiously, as long as I can remember, right? Every Sunday, I was in church. I know church, I know prayers, I know how to do church, right? And it was really interesting that as I started to get exposed to, you know, born-againers, as we used to call them in the 80s and 90s, right? Oh, you're one of them born-againers. You're one of them, right? They would start to talk about Jesus, and they would start to open the Bible and show me scriptures. And I was right away, like, kind of, like, challenged because I knew church, and I knew how to do church, and the morality and being a good moral person. I was a good person because I went to church. And suddenly these born-againers were like talking to me and sharing scriptures that were supposed to be for me. You know, I never even read the Bible. But I went to church, right? And I knew church. I didn't know the Bible. Didn't know, really know anything about the personal Jesus. And, you know, the Roman Catholic tradition, Jesus is still on the cross. And so you get that, right? And, and I'll never forget this transition that, that happened from Knowing about God, believing in a God, and knowing about church and how to do church and and the Ten Commandments and being a good moral person and a good churchgoer, to this transition into this personal Jesus that wants a personal relationship with me. And, you know, that was kind of challenging. I remember my wife and I, when we first started dating, she was a believer, and I wasn't, right? And, you know... She did some missionary dating, and, uh, you know, part of, part of that plan was, you know, I was going to UCLA, she was going to San Diego State, so I would come down on the weekends, and so she would bring me to this Friday night Bible study, you know, with a bunch of born-againers, evangelicals, you know, having a Bible study, and I'll never forget, right, you know, I'm UCLA and got my life together, don't need anybody, still a good moral person, yada, 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 she brings me to this uh, Friday night, and I'll never forget this, right? I've told this story before. The, the host, great guy. You know, I walk in, she introduces me to him, and he hugs me. And I'm like, in my mind, why are you touching me? 
like, he's hugging me, like welcoming me. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird, right? And I'm like just sitting back and I'm observing, you know, and she brought me there a few times and I met really nice people, you know, and, and part of their Bible study, they would sing songs, which I now know are worship. And, and I remember, you know, the, the core group would sit on the couches, right? And then they had some chairs behind the couches. You know, that's where I was in the left field bleachers for a while, you know, just kind of watching. Because I, I didn't know the words. I didn't know any of that, right? But one thing that stood out to me was when they sang, they actually sang as if Jesus was listening. Do you know what I mean? Like, they were like singing like love songs and songs about loving God and everything. And I was just like watching their facial expressions and their, you know, lift, they would, some would lift their hands and some would just be like so expressive. And I'm like, what is up with this? Right? And then, and then we would have prayer. Like, again, I'm like a seeker. I'm like kind of like, okay, I'm open to this, you know. And then I remember, you know, the, the ladies would go pray in like one of the back rooms and then the guys they invite me, hey, we're going to pray around the dinner table, the dining table, right? So the guys all get around. I'm like, sure. And then they, the, the host, he does this. When we all sit, he goes. I'm like. And then everyone else takes the cue, and they all start holding hands. You know, I mean, what do you do with that, right? You're like. I don't know the proper way to hold hands for prayer around a dinner table. And then, and then he starts, and I'm trying to figure out, is it going to go right or left? And then, right, and then it goes around the circle. And it's getting closer. And I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out the hand thing, all the while knowing that this expectation of saying something is coming to the visitor comes to me and I'm like how long will I be silent before this guy clues in to save me right and I'm like thank you and just keep going right and it just and 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 it was just so interesting not the discomfort but they prayed as if God was listening like, it was weird. Like, I grew up in prayers. I still know the Catholic prayers. I can still go to Catholic Mass. I can still do the Catholic Mass. It is so ingrained in me, I could do it with my eyes closed. And I know all the prayers, okay? They were different. They didn't necessarily do rote uh, reciting of prayers. They were just talking to God. And I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy, kind of cool. But I'm like, I don't know how to do that, you know? How many of you have ever been afraid to mess up? Like, I don't know how to talk to God. Is he like, going to be mad at me if I, you know, I'm, right? Because I'm very formal and, you know, all that stuff, very formal. None of that, just sitting around, a bunch of dudes holding hands, talking to God. And I'm like, wow, okay, okay. And so I share all this, kind of this journey with you, because the Gospel of Mark really helped me, in one sense, to, to get clarity of kind of the, up, the churchy upbringing to just me and Jesus and this, this relationship. And so traversing and walking with him and seeing how he interacted really just helped me to see him no longer as just still on the cross in the context of, of a church building, 
but to see him out and about, to hear his words, and then God through the Holy Spirit to kind of speak through me or to me through his word really just kind of opened me up, okay, to, to some of the questions I had and some of the insecurities and the things I was wrestling with. So I share that with you um, because I, my prayer is for some of you, maybe here, maybe online, um, that are still trying to understand what it is to, to follow Jesus, to really maybe drive a stake in the ground about Jesus. And, you know, they often say, oh, yeah, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And, you know, we kind of take that as cliche. I just want to encourage you, there is a process, and my desire is as we uh, journey through the gospel of Mark, that Jesus will become real to you. More real, if he is already, that you'll understand discipleship and, and everything that he speaks as we join him in action. Okay? So today we're just going to launch into Mark 1.1. Okay, Mark 1.1 says this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, remember, Matthew started with the genealogy. Luke starts with the birth, the first couple of chapters, right, and goes through everything, Christmas story and everything like that. Mark just kind of goes, boom, we're off. Here we go. Buckle up, you know, roller coaster, check the thing, right? Here we go, right? And he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right? Those 12 words, huge, huge. We could probably camp on these 12 words and Literally, the eternal impact they can have uh, for you your, and even in your daily life. These 12 words, you, gotta, you can't like rush right past them, okay? In fact, Paul Tripp says this. These 12 words, as they are translated in English, couldn't be more radical. I would argue that these 12 words cut a slice right down the middle of humanity. Because there are only actually two classes of people living on earth people who believe these radical 12 words, and people who don't. And if you believe them, they will change everything you think about yourself and every place you would place your hopes and dreams. And if you don't believe them, you think they are ridiculous and delusional and not worth the paper that they're printed on. Okay, so right off the bat, I just put it out there. Mark makes this radical, bold statement, and right away, we... It's inescapable. Every person on this planet living at this very moment has to wrestle with those 12 words and where you stand with them. Because if, if you embrace them, boom, right? And if you're in the process, stay in the process. I encourage you, okay? Hang in there. Stay in there. Because this is uh, some truth here, some, if you want to call it theology, that, that really may challenge you in some of your core beliefs, your worldview, your life experiences, um, and it's weighty. I shared with the, the leadership team these 12 words right there. If you profess and it is your conviction that those words are true, your truth, you know, is truth, and you believe this and it's your conviction, okay? In some parts of those countries, in, in some parts of the world, some countries, those 12 words will cost you your life. That's how serious these 12 words are, okay? If you profess to believe these 12 words in your own personal life, in some countries, in many countries around this world, that will cost you something, even your life. 
That's why, you know, going through the Gospel of Mark here might be a little bit challenging because in the United States, we're comfortable for the most part, right? I mean, culturally, you know, it's, it's, it's squeezing and culturally, right, you know, uh, they're not too thrilled with Bible-believing evangelicals. But for the most part, us professing those 12 words today, we're kind of safe in the United States, okay? So I want to encourage you, don't let the comfort of our culture so far create a complacency about those 12 words. Because those 12 words, right there, can have an eternal impact on you, your family, and then a daily impact, okay? He says, the beginning of the gospel. Many scholars equate that beginning of the gospel to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning... God created, right? So you read Genesis 1-1, and you see that word beginning, and you're like, whoa, that must have been crazy, right? You get this boom, however God did it. He spoke things in the creation. So when you see in the beginning God created, we have this wow moment, like beginning, boom. However it happened, there was this beginning. Well, when Mark says the beginning of the gospel, we should have a whoa, because it's the beginning of the good news, Amen. You don't, see, again, I want to encourage you, if you've been in church any length of time, the word gospel means good news. The gospel, it's good news. Yeah, yeah, man, that's good news. Hey, Bill, that is some really good news, bro. That's just good news. Yeah. But the Dodgers win the World Series. Woo! You make my point right there. That whole room right there, you just made my point, Right? This is the beginning of good news. Right off the bat, Mark says, the beginning of good news. Because without this, the truth is, it's all bad news. It was bad news. Until Messiah came, it was bad news. He had to send somebody, and he's saying, hey, this guy Jesus, his appearance on this planet is the beginning of God's good news. Amen? And this is where I want to rekindle that for you longtime believers, okay? Celebrate good news. Because I'll tell you right now, this planet needs good news. Right? At the macro level, economically, militarily, politically, socially, there's such this heavy weight upon this whole planet that the church has to be very careful that we don't forget we have the good news, right? And sometimes in your own life, I don't know what you're going through, but we all have our own finances, you know, and I don't know what your natural gas price was, you know, this, right? I don't know what your fuel bill was, right? And you're just like, ah, another thing, another thing. It just sometimes seems like it's just bad news, right? Don't, don't, don't. When it rains, it pours, right? Get the latest text. You're like, Really? Get the email. Really? You know? And so maybe this morning, Mark 1-1 is a wake-up call to you. It's good news because we're talking eternal perspective. Okay? The good news is that in the eternal perspective, if you're a believer, it's all good. In the sense, not that your circumstances are all good, but you're good. Amen? In Christ, you're good. Sometimes we just need to be reminded 
that in Christ, your name is written in the book of life. And the worst thing that can happen, maybe if you call it the worst thing, is that, you know, your time on this planet is done. What's the worst thing that happens after your time on this planet is done as a believer? I go to heaven. Yeah. I sit on a cloud, and heaven's just like the longest church service ever. It's just like the never-ending church service, and... Do we really play harps and sit on the clouds and, you know, what are we going to do there anyway? It's so weird. We get this, like, like the church, the beginning of the good news. The good news is this is not it. The good news is heaven is our home. There's a perspective that will enable us, maybe today, you've just been weighted down. And it's just heavy. Relationally whatever, with your kids, with your family, something. And maybe today, God, do this one verse. It says, hey, you're my child. That's good news. It's good news. Okay, circumstances may not be so good right now, but we pan back and we focus on the good news of Christ. Amen? Okay? So the gospel is good news. Remember in Luke 10, it says, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great there we go, joy. Good news. It's good news of great joy. Ooh, great joy. Good news of great joy. Come on. <laughs> yes. It's good news of great joy, right? That will be for all people. He's announcing the birth of Jesus. How many of you were joyful at the birth of your child? Your dad raised your hand, man. That's pretty cool, right? Woo! You still joyful? Yeah, okay. The birth of Jesus, the coming of the Savior is good news of great joy. Amen? Come on. Mark is just like right off the bat. Let's go. The beginning of the good news, right? The beginning of the good news. Now, the, the gospel, the same word is used, was used by the Romans if there was good news about the emperor. Okay, the emperor has a birthday or there's a new emperor that accedes to the throne. That would be good news. They would announce it and everyone would be stoked, right? The, the word really means a historical event which introduces a new situation for the world. So Jesus coming created a beginning of a new situation for the world. For the world, okay? Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That is a revolutionary statement. Jesus coming and salvation being offered to everyone, revolutionary, like mind-boggling, okay? So again, in our culture, if you've grown up in the church, went to VBS, went to all the camps and everything, you know, we kind of get really used to hearing this contextually, Back in that culture, mind-boggling, like knock your socks off type of moment. Like, are you kidding? Right? He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus. Now, Jesus is a name, okay? It's the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, and Joshua means the Lord or Yahweh is salvation. So Jesus is a name, okay? Matthew one twenty one. she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, Okay? Now, Christ, right, the beginning of the gospel, 
of Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. Now I know, right? Like everyone refers to him as Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know it kind of became that way over church history. But really Christ is a title. If you want to be more biblically accurate, you would say Jesus the Christ. Okay? And Christ is the equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed one. Okay? And, and so Jesus, particularly Isaiah 53, he fulfilled the Old Testament requirements and prophecies of the coming Messiah. Right? And so he's, he's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Christ. Okay? In fact, in the New Living Translation, it says it this way. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, I told you before, if you believe these 12 words, right away there's going to be some disagreement. Because quite honestly, there's a whole lot of people still waiting for the Messiah. Okay? That's, remember, again, we kind of get used to it because we hang out with each other all the time when we run in evangelical circles. For the most part, we forget that there's a large population in this planet that's still waiting for Messiah. We believe Messiah has come. Amen? We believe Messiah, the anointed one, has come. Okay? And then it says, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The Son of God. That phrase, Son of God, doesn't necessarily, you know, we equate it like child and being born and all that. Son of God is really a phrase or a title that speaks to Jesus being God. Okay? In fact, in the uh, literal translation in the Greek, there is no article, the. It says this in the Young's literal translation. It says this, a, bini- a beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God, or God the Son. Again, you believe that Jesus is Messiah, and now you believe that Jesus is God? There's a very large number of people on this planet who would disagree with Jesus being God. Okay? I just, I just, I just share, the, share that with you so you understand. We're around each other, and we're around Bible teaching so much that we forget that this conviction about Jesus matters. And sometimes our convictions matter when we're placed in situations where we're actually the minority or when we cost us something. And then our convictions really got to drive the stake in the ground. You really, do I really believe this? Okay? So a beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, God. So think about that. Mark, he's launching us off. In the ESV, we'll just say it again. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Those 12 words, right off the bat here. You got to chew on it. You got to wrestle with it. You got to digest it. And some, you just have to drive a stake in the ground. Like, yeah. Yeah. I believe this. This is it. I can do no other. This is my I can do no other moment. I've I, I, I prayed. I've researched it. I've studied. I've sought counsel. Boom. I believe this. This is, this is something where this is an individual moment with all of you. Okay. This is an individual moment. As much as, you know, uh, I have five kids and, you know, the whole raising them in the church and as pastor's kids and all this, there was a moment where as they were growing up, even though I'm a pastor, I had to realize they all have to come to Jesus on their own. Now, my wife and I, we can create an environment, we can teach them, we can put them in camp and all this, but in the end, I cannot believe for them. Now, as a parent, that's... Terrifying, right? Because you want to just be able to say, eh, I don't believe this, you know, just believe this, right? 
you have to release them, teach them, and hope that in their journey, they come to this conviction. Right? And, and it's interesting, C.S. Lewis has a, has a really powerful quote about Jesus and, and what he says. He says this, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Right off the bat, Mark makes this bold statement about Jesus, and C.S. Lewis says, okay, now, let's not dilute this. You got to wrestle with Jesus. Because as you see, when, when we go through uh, the gospel of Mark, the things that Jesus says, the things that he does, people are like, who is this guy? He challenges the religious establishment. He challenges tradition. He challenges custom. And people, people kind of get upset initially. They're like, what? That's what C.S. Lewis is saying. It's like we all have to wrestle with Jesus' own words and his own actions. And, and there's very little wiggle room to just call him one of the many teachers right? When Jesus is, is going around, for instance, and he says he's forgiving sins, people freaked out. Like, who can forgive sins but God? He's like, well, to show you, your sins are forgiven. Like, he challenged them. He challenged them. And today, in 2023, we're still challenged with who is Jesus. You and I, personally, are still challenged with who is Jesus, Okay? So I want to encourage you to stay on the journey uh, with us. I think it's going to be really uh, just life-changing, eternal-changing, life-changing. And for some, your faith may come alive. Not that you're not saved right now, but maybe it's been kind of really academic and, and kind of things that you believe about him. But maybe in, in our journey through Mark, you're going to come alive. Like seriously, like boom. And... and I had an experience of this come-to-life type of thing uh, in another context. I started in youth ministry in San Diego back in the middle 90s, early to middle 90s. And one, one day I got a call, and uh, it was one of my buddies was a sheriff, and he said, hey, there's some, um, you know, teenage, I think they're all boys, teenage boys who had kind of gotten in trouble and were incarcerated, and they were bringing them out to this uh, ropes course on a Saturday morning, um, with some sheriffs, and they wanted to know if I would drive out there, it's on the outskirts of San Diego, and do a little morning devotion with these youth that had been, you know, brought in vans from whatever facility they were in. I'm like, sure, why wouldn't I, right? I drive out there, there's a few sheriffs, officers, and a bunch of, bunch of teenage boys right there. And so I come up, you know, and I, and I do this devo. And I'm like, sure, that's what I do. 
right? And I want to encourage them. I just want to encourage the officers. This is really good, right? And so I end, and they say, hey, why don't you hang out for a little bit? Just kind of see. I'm like, sure, I'll hang out. I just want to be an encourager. Just want to really support what you're doing with these boys. And so we go to the first ropes course. And some of you know this apparatus. If you've been to Hume, it's that telephone pole. It's a telephone pole that's like 10, 15 feet tall. And you're supposed to climb the pole and stand up on the pole. It's about that wide around. And then jump to a trapeze, right? And they harness you up. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to cheer these guys on. This is going to be great for these teenagers, right? We get there, and the head sheriff, he says, okay, this is the first one. Explains, he goes, and he looks at me and goes, and you're first. And all the teenage boys are like, yeah, let the preacher guy go first, right? And so, you know, what else are you going to do? You can't, like, be a punk. You're like, sure, I'll go first. And my heart's beating, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I've never done this before. And so, you know, you got to be, you know, how many of you guys have ever tried to play it off? You're like, yeah, your heart's beating, but you're scared to death, right? And you're just like, sure, I'll go. They put the harness, harness me up, and some guy's on belay. He's like, just climb up there, stand at the top. The goal is you have to take your hands off the pole, and you have to stand first, and then you jump. So the climbing up part wasn't too bad because they have, you know, the little thing sticking out. The hard part is to get to the top of a telephone pole that's moving like this. And the really hard part is you get there, and you get one foot up, and the other one's still on the little peg. You're like, now what? And it just starts to feel like eternity because everyone is looking at you, right? And at a certain point, you realize you can't hold the log and put your foot up because physically it won't work. You have to let go of the log and simultaneously stand up. And you're harnessed in, right? You know you're not going to die. but So I, I, I do that, and I, uh, I'm like this. And then the trapeze looked a lot farther away than on the ground looking up. You're like, oh, that trapeze. Anyone can get to that trapeze. When you're up there, like, that, right? And I'm like, okay, okay. Because, you know, and at this point, it's like a lot of pride. It's just like, I just got to do this because, right? And I kid you not, I, I jumped out. And what happens is in this thing is, is, you know, it's just a free jump, and you hit the pole, the trapeze, and then your body weight kicks in. And I didn't expect the body weight to kick in. So I jump, try hit it, my body weight kicks in, and I, I can't hold it. And I slide back. And I'll be very honest with you, I think I screamed. <laughs> I think I went, ah! And <laughs> not my finest moment in front of teen boys and a bunch of sheriff's deputies. But I survived. I share that with you, that long story, because I went there as a passive spectator. I went there to encourage them and to, to not really participate. When he pointed at me and he said, you're first, now I was all in. Okay? These 12 words, it's an all-in moment. It's an all-in moment. You're not playing church anymore. You're not just believing about something that's really nice to believe about. Again, like I said, if you go to another country, that's an all-in moment. That's a, ah, moment. Either you're going to do it or you're not. And, and I, that's why I want to encourage you, if you settle this, 
you're going to be alive. You might just have this freshness in your faith, this freshness. Like, I own this. Yes. I believe this. Because, again, I don't know where this culture in this country is going, but at a certain point, we might have to say, I believe it. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I believe what it says about culture. I believe what it says about sin and salvation. It might come to that where we will have to stand on the truth of the word of God. And at that moment, we're not passive spectators. We are alive. But we do that every day. We should be doing that every day, right? Dr. Paul Reese says this. The gospel is neither a discussion nor a debate. It is an announcement. I love that. Because Mark is starting with an announcement. Hey, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, God. He's here. This is it. It's an announcement. What has happened, even in the church, because of all the resources out there and all the social media, we spend a lot of time debating, discussing. Our faith has become so academic. And what do you think about? And this is what I heard. And we, we're, we're, we're so in our mind and so in our opinions that I don't even know if we're following Jesus anymore with the same passion that we once did, right? B.B. Warfield says this, the seminary student must make every effort to avoid the danger of becoming over-familiar with religious things. Because he is constantly exposed to the things of God, there is a high degree of tendency to trivialize them. This is a great privilege that can be taken for granted. See, that was written when all the res- most of the resources for studying the Bible and everything were in seminaries. But I love that quote because that is not just for seminary students. That's for the church as a whole now. Because you can YouTube church, you can study things. You, well, you have as much access now as a lay person as any seminary student. And if you're not careful, you can over trivialize the things of the Lord now. And now you're just debating. And now you're just tearing people apart. And now you just don't like this preacher and what he said about this one thing. And now it's just me, 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 I, 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 what do you think, I, I. And we've become so inundated with data that our faith gets washed out. And it just becomes trivial because it's just real familiar. Right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with listening to a podcast or getting books and all that kind of stuff. I get it. But I'll tell you right now, even for me, every Sunday, you know, I, I'm, I've been doing this for 30 years, so I have to prep a message every week, right? And if I'm not careful, in my own walk, I can just start to study the Bible and pray and everything I do just because it's my role and my job. See, that's my challenge, is even though we're going through Mark 1-1, it's say, like, well, we're going to go through Mark because it's good for you. And I study because it's really good for you. Right? No, what I have to do, the biggest challenge for me is when I'm studying for whatever I'm going to preach on, for the better part of the week, God's like, well, what do you believe? Where are you? And he, he like, really challenges me with those 12 words. Right? Do I still really believe this? Am I, am I kind of become numb to the good news? Is it just like ho-hum whatever now for me? Just because it's my job. Right? So the good news. Okay, here's the good news. 
The gospel is about a person. And that person is Jesus. Amen? Everyone say person. Everyone say person. The good news is about a person, okay? Now, last week, Bill talked about principles and precepts and commands about stewardship. All perfectly great, right? The challenges as Christians, at a certain point, we might elevate principles and precepts over Jesus. And now you're more concerned about rules and following rules and how much you break the rules rather than this the joy of the good news of Jesus. Amen? you got to be careful about that. Because I've talked to believers, and they've lost their joy, and I'm like, what's wrong? He goes, oh, man, I just blew it again. Oh, man, I'm such a loser. I'm such a horrible Christian. I'm like, dude, you're a child of God. What are you talking about? And what happens is we get so consumed with principles and precepts and do's and don'ts. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't obey God. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me, okay? Our desire for obedience comes out of loving him. Don't flip it. If you flip it and you become dutiful and it becomes tradition and because I have to, you're just going to become an angry Christian, an angry and despondent Christian because you're never going to measure up on this side of heaven. But if you can go, wait, the good news is through faith in Jesus, heaven is my home and, and I'm good to go, that'll light your fire. And then that'll inspire you to want to live for him. They would say want to. Want to live for him. Amen? Want to. I want to give. I want to serve. I want to go build a house. I want to. I want to. I want to. And you're like, dude, what got into you? I want to read my Bible. What got into you? I don't know. I just love Jesus. Right? How many of you have ever fallen in love with someone and found yourself doing some crazy stuff for them? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, oh yeah. High five. Hmm? Even getting married. Right? Hmm? Congratulations, by the way. Right? We all know what it is to be in love and that love to manifest in sacrificial things that we do, right? Oh. I found we were cl- I was cleaning out one of our back sheds and there's been, you find a treasure, right? I didn't even know I'd done this. I found in this little Ziploc baggie, I found all the cards and letters she sent me when we were dating, when we, she was in San Diego and LA. And I'm like, so I have to pause. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Lovingly remind her about that. <laughs> Next time I mess up. <laughs> but honey, back in 1989, you said that you would love me forever. <laughs> right? She would write a ton, like just a whole like a stack, you know? Because she loved me, right? <laughs> and I would drive down after school on Friday battle LA traffic and stay, you know, and my parents' house, we were about 15 minutes away, so we'd spend as much time, and then, and then it got to the point on, uh, I had to be at school back in LA to work in the student store like at 8 a.m., but you know, we were so in love that we want to maximize the time. So it got to be where like I was, we would, we would hang out, whatever, Sunday night, and I would literally go to my parents' house for just a few hours, and I would start leaving at 4.30 4, 4 a.m., 4.30 from San Diego, South San Diego, just to maximize my time because I loved you. 
And back then we had landlines. Landlines with the phone bill, right? Right? How many of you remember those landlines with the cords? You try to like tangle and get all tangled and you got to try to talk in the other room so the family can't hear you and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Some people, they don't know what we're talking about. So there's, there's a whole generation here like landlines. Yeah. We all know what it is to go out of our way self-sacrificially because we're in love. That's just what it is with Jesus. Okay? I just, I just hoping that that sets some of you free to come back to just letting your life be a reflection that you love the Lord. It truly will follow. It truly will. And when you kind of go off and you stray and you're disobedient, believe me, the Holy Spirit will bring you back. We don't, we don't, we don't have to be what we call around here. We're not the spiritual popo. Now, if we see you straying, our responsibility, we will call it out in love. We will. We will. We will. That would be a disservice to you if we did not shepherd. Okay, a shepherd loves a sheep. Okay. But we also know that it's got to be the Holy Spirit in your heart. And that's got to be coming from a place of love. Okay, where you're, where you're, you're kind of just willing. Willing. Okay. Luke 10 says this. Jesus had sent out 72 on a... Mission trip, look what he says. They come back, they're all stoked. He says, the 72 return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven, right? So these 72 go out on this, this mission trip, you want to call it that. They come back, you know, they were casting out demons in Jesus' name, boom, be gone, right? And so they're all lit. They come back and Jesus, that was awesome, man. We were casting out demons in your name, right? They're all stoked. Jesus says, hey, you want to to be stoked about something? Be stoked that you're saved and your names are written in heaven. See, even here at the well, I celebrate homes of hope. I celebrate women's ministry. I celebrate everything that God is doing in and through the well. But you know what? It should never supersede that we're saved and heaven is our home. We should never put the well as an idol above Jesus. Everything at the well flows out because of Jesus. That's why we do what we do here. Seriously, we had the annual meeting yesterday, and, you know, I honestly just told him, I can't, I don't know how this happened. I, I, you know, I was jokingly say I could probably write a book and sell a whole bunch of copies, like how to grow a church, you know, in three easy steps, you know, because I wrote it in retrospect, and it would sound really good, but the truth is, from day one, when we were in Cindy's living room 13 years ago, all we've been trying to do is follow Jesus here. It's a miracle. This is a miracle. You being here is a miracle. This building is a miracle. Don't, don't ask me to try to explain it other than we've just tried to be faithful and love the Lord. And that's what we're going to continue to do. It's, it is a supernatural. The church is a supernatural entity. You realize that? If you're a believer, something supernatural happened in you. Don't, don't ever forget that, right? Something supernatural happened. And so we have to be careful in our walk that we just don't make it really academic and really external-based. We got to keep Jesus, Jesus, okay? And so how do we do that? Maybe, maybe today you're sitting here like, man, it's been a long time since I had that awe and wonder and amazement, you know? I kind of, maybe I lost that. Well, 
here's, I just want to kind of wrap us up and begin to take us home here. And I want to encourage you, come back to making it personal, not churchy. And I'm talking personal, just like you, not the person next to you. Or in front. Make it personal right now. You and Jesus. Just make it personal. Okay? I remember when, again, I was in my journey, uh, open to the things of the Lord, open to the things of Christianity. And my friends at college would try to share, and they would come to these verses of, the, you know, the Romans road, right? And so they would share Romans 3.23. They'd say, hey, man, look. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They would share this with me, right? And I remember initially, I would get so offended. And I was like, kind of ticked. I'm like, so you're saying I'm a sinner? Right? Because, again, I grew up in the Catholic Church, right? And I knew sinners, sinners were the really bad people. And they did really bad things. And they're like, dude, all have sinned. You're a sinner. And I'm like, get away from me. I was like, get out of me. I don't need you to. You know, and I initially was like really offended and was like, didn't want, to, didn't want anything to do with that. Sinner. What are you talking about? I go to UCLA. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm a good guy, right? Anyone ever try to share the sins? And what is the verse response? I'm a good person. I don't hurt anyone. I give. I'm a good moral person. I'm right? And so this issue of sin is that was portrayed to me initially as. Sin equals bad person. And I took it like, so you're saying I'm a bad person? You know, get out of my face with that. You know, I didn't realize that sin wasn't necessarily about me being a bad person. The problem, the issue with sin is that sin is really about how bad off I am because of sin. See, we're all descended from Adam and Eve. So we all are born in sin. All have sinned. It's not that we're evil, wicked people doing sinful, bad things. What it is, the problem with sin is that in Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's the problem with sin. It's not how bad I am. It's how bad off I am, which means I'm separated from God. That's the root of the sin issue is that it separates me from God. That's death is separation from God. And if I don't deal with that through Jesus, now I'm eternally separated. So the sin issue isn't about me being a bad person. It's like, hey, dude, we're all born in sin. We're all pretty bad off. Without a savior, the bad news is we're bad off for eternity. The good news is through faith in Jesus, we're made right with God. Amen? Then when I got that, I really started to go like, huh, I don't think about that. Because that made more sense. I could, I, could, I could receive that. That sin created a bad, I'm bad off situation, then I'm a bad, evil, wicked person. I understand like, oh, wait, ooh, that's not good. I get it. I got the fall. I understood the fall. I understood as humans that sin is transferred down to us. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now I get it. Now I get why a Messiah had to come. Now I get why Jesus had to come. Because we were bad off. In fact, we were lost. Separated from God. We needed that bridge, that person, to bridge the gap. And suddenly those lights start clicking, right? I'm like, don't, don't, because I was a thinker, you know. After UCLA, I went to law school, so I was kind of like, you know, I was like, let me think about this. Let me, let me study this. You know, I didn't just accept this. I was like, let me, let me, 
let me chew on this for a bit. And suddenly it started to click. And I'm like, God, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Not that, hey, I'm an evil, wicked, horrible person. No, it was like, oh my gosh, I was born in sin. I'm separated from God. Why wouldn't I put my faith in Jesus? It just made logical sense at that point. Amen? Like, it had nothing to do with religiosity. It had nothing to do with church. It just made sense. If I'm born in sin and I'm separated from God and faith in Jesus reconciles me to God, why wouldn't I? That wasn't even being hype or manipulated or emotional or anything. It just made logical sense. Like, duh. I'm just speaking my own testimony. I was like, yeah. I'm going to put my faith in Christ, right? Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So then I start realizing what the cross was about, what Good Friday was about, what this ransom that Jesus had to die, he was a ransom for me. And then 1 Peter says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And suddenly like, ding, ding, ding. Oh my gosh, I get it. That's why they call him the Lamb of God. The sacrifice, the substitutionary atonement. All of this just starts to make perfect sense to me. And I'm like, that's good news. That's like radical good news. For me personally, I'm just like, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it's funny because I was talking with someone a couple of weeks ago and sharing, you know, the gospel and what it means to follow Jesus, put your faith in Jesus. And I was like, I said, hey, bro, let me just kind of break it down. For me, I came to this place where I realized because of my sin, I was on my way to hell. I was separated from God. And if I didn't put my faith in Jesus, I would be separated for eternity in hell And then I put my faith in Jesus, and now, because of Jesus, I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm a child of God, and I'm born again, and I'm a new creation. And I'm like, dude, I'm just, my life is just his. See, I just broke it down. I was separated on my way to hell through faith in Jesus. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Heaven is my home. I'm like, my life is his. What claim do I have? And I just kind of broke it down. And I remember uh, way, way back, I was in law school, and I was also serving in ministry, and I was really feeling this tension between what the Lord was calling me to do. And I remember thinking through this. I'm like, okay, let me think about this, Lord. People on this planet, not just people, but eternal souls, okay, souls that will live somewhere in all eternity. And Jesus came as the Messiah, as the Lamb of God. And through faith in Jesus, we can be reconciled to God and eternally with the Lord forever, child of God. I'm working through that, and I'm like, and this is just personal to my call to ministry, why I left law school and and all my whole career to ministry. In my mind at that point, I was like, what else matters? Now, it doesn't mean all of us should go into ministry because you should be fulfilling the calling that God has you. But for me personally, I was like, wait. It's about eternity. It's about eternal souls. And God called me into full-time ministry because I'm like, what else matters but eternal souls? 
I mean, that's just my calling. I'm just telling you. I look at you, and you're my brothers and sisters, and I see you, but even beyond that, you're an eternal soul. That's what matters to me. That's what really matters. That's why God sent Jesus. For eternity's sake. Right? This is an eternal issue. It's an eternal issue. And so, you get this good news, and at the heart of the good news is God's love. It's just God's love. And we're at Teen Challenge on Thursday, and I did a message to the ladies there about love, agape love, self-sacrificial love, right? And a beautiful verse is Romans 5.8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It's crazy, right? If you think about that, while you're at your worst, maybe you didn't even want anything to do with God. He loves you. So much. He sent Jesus as good news. You know, like one of the core needs one of, we have as humans is to be loved. And so I want to encourage you. If, if you're wondering if God loves you, right, there's, there's your answer right there. There's your answer right there. And with the ladies, we talked about love and we had a good time. And, and self-sacrificial love means I love you, I prize you. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for you. That's how we're supposed to love one another. But ultimately, it first was demonstrated by Jesus coming self-sacrificially because he loves you. He values you that much, individually, right? And I shared with them a a wonderful song uh, that I learned as a new believer way back when. Many of us think of it as a kid song, right? Jesus loves me, right? And we, we sometimes relegate that to kingdom kids, but there is some incredible theology and profound significance to Jesus loves me. If you will personalize it, and if you will now contextualize it into Mark 1.1, right? Because we all know, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Come on now. Yes, Jesus loves me. You can point to yourself. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. It's incredible. That amount of love. And then it brings us all the way back to Mark 1.1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The son of God. It's for you. The good news is for you today. That's why he came. He loves you. He loves you. And so we're going to have a, uh, an opportunity now to kind of come back into worship. Worship team, you can come up. And here's why I ask uh, Shiloh and the team to do this. Because sometimes in church, we have a message, and the Lord might be speaking to you, and then what do we do? We say, in Jesus' name, amen, and we go get coffee and donuts. This one right here, the simplicity, if you will, or those 12 words, I think we need to sit and kind of ponder those 12 words. In fact, uh, Isaac, can you put the 
Mark 1, 1, Becca. And a question for us as we go into worship is, is that, is that your conviction? Where do you land with that? The truth of that verse, right? Is that you? Do you embrace that? Is that you? Because here's the thing, right? In the beginning of creation was a boom, creation. And then in Mark 1, 1, boom, the gospel. Here's the crazy thing. When you put your faith in Jesus, there's another beginning. It's the beginning of a new life. It's the beginning of a new relationship. It's the beginning of a new you. It's the beginning of being able to say, heaven is my home. See, there's another beginning. There's the creation beginning. There's the beginning of the gospel. You put your faith in Jesus, there's a beginning of you. Amen? There's a new beginning. And I would, I would miss it this morning if I had to give you a chance to celebrate through song and worship that new beginning. And so if you've been a believer for a while, give God the praise. Focus on Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Maybe you got caught up in rules and, and regulations and how bad you done and how you messed up this week. Come back during these songs to Jesus. Just come back to Jesus. It's that simple. I wish I could complicate it more. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. And we're going to journey through Mark, and we're just going to see every week. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. He loves you. How do you know? Right there. Okay. So we have a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, other announcements. Um, uh, on the welcome cart out in the front, so I guess that would be the front of the church, and this is the back. At the entry of the church, there's a welcome cart, and um, there is a sign-up sheet uh, on the welcome cart for the homeless shelter, and this is for providing all the goodies that go into the lunch bags, not making the bags. You can sign up, and um, you, can, you, can, uh, you can sign up, and then when you do sign up, um, you, can put your, you can put your name, uh, and, um, and don't be like Betty, who just only put her name and not her phone number. Because otherwise, then, you see, Cindy Mullins wouldn't be able to contact you about coordinating what, uh, is, what it is that you signed up to bring. But anyway, I encourage you to do that because the homeless shelter, of course, is a critical uh, community event, if you will, that all the churches participate in. And we are just one church that participates in that particular ministry. And so, um, and that's what we're called to do, right? We're called to be others-centered, and that is a way that we can do that. Uh, so I encourage you to do that, uh, and uh, also, um, I guess I'm supposed to do the women's ministry announcement, Kathy? Okay, well, that's a first. So uh, there is a women's event called Coffee and Convos. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I said, that's not a word, but then I looked it up in the dictionary. Do you realize that convos is an actual word in the dictionary, and it means what? conversation. So the women are going to get together for coffee and conversation Saturday, March 14th at 10 o'clock here at the well. So you, is there a sign up for that? Oh, is it 4th? Okay, so my eyes aren't that good. So March 4th, that's coming up sooner than the 14th, about 10 days sooner, the way I got it figured. Um, so anyway, you can sign up for that, right, Kathy? There's no sign up, you just show up? Okay, this is why women mostly do women's <laughs> ministry announcements. So there's that. Um, uh, 
Now, um, more appropriately speaking, I get to make a men's ministry announcement. Um, and I probably won't mess this one up. So uh, there is a men's breakfast on Saturday, March the 18th at 8.30 in the morning. So men, we're going to get together and eat because that's what men do. Uh, so, uh, and, and there's no sign-up for that either. You can just show up. Oh, there is a sign-up for that. So this is the last Sunday I'll be doing announcements. Um, apparently. And um, on that note, I'm going to hand it over to uh, Jordan, who's going to do a youth announcement, and I'm sure he'll get that right. There you go. Yes, you did great, Bill. Well, we do have a youth announcement, and I would like to announce that we survived. Yes. For those of you that know, we had our youth all-nighter on Friday uh, and all through on to Saturday morning. And we had about 17 students go. We went to um, Dojo Boom slash Sky Zone. They, I think they have three names. Uh, but it was great. They gave us cool shirts. It was glow in the dark. We jumped around. Uh, if you've ever been there, you know, they have trampolines all over. And one of the things I kept hearing from the leaders is, are you sore? Like, I'm really tired and sore. And so, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was a good way to prep us for the all-nighter. And I think four of the students stayed up the entire night uh, it was great. We had lots of games. Uh, we had some bumper balls. We played gaga ball. Uh, had lots of great snacks and just fun. And it was, it was a great time hanging out. Um, like I said, a lot of them stayed up late all the way until 8 in the morning. And uh, I actually saw one of the parents after we had done worship practice. And uh, I asked him how their you know, student was doing. He's like, he's still sleeping. So, uh, and that was like 4 in the afternoon. Uh, but yeah, we're still recovering, so we survived, so I don't know if many of us are thriving right now, but uh, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun, uh, and last announcement, we are not going to be having uh, youth events this week, because we are still recovering, uh, but we will be meeting up the week after, so that's it for announcements.